This is a continuation of the prior podcast covering 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong oppositions. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. So Paul is saying that he he doesn't care about pleasing people. He's only pleasing God and God tests their hearts. In another letter that he wrote to another group of people, he talked about having this uh, this torture, this thorn in his flesh that he prayed three, tri- three times for God to take it away from him. But God said, basically, my strength will make you strong. In your weakness, you are strong through me, is what God basically told him about that. And he didn't take away the thorn in his side. And it was some kind of a tormenting, I think it looked like it was like from scripture, it looked like it was some kind of tormenting uh, spiritual annoyance that he kept dealing with or somebody maybe who was opposing his message or making it difficult for him. Um, But whatever it was, Paul did say that he realized that it was there so that he didn't really get conceited or get too prideful or too proud of himself and what he was doing. So this kind of put him in his place and he didn't want it to stay there, but it was left there. So there's there's evidence throughout scripture that God tests our hearts. And that's really important to know when we go through troublesome times, those are either, well, maybe there's more than two possibilities, but what I think of usually is it's either an evil spiritual attack, um, well, three things, or it could be a result just from our, our actions. Like if we do something sinful, we are going to pay the consequence of it eventually. And then three, it could just be a test from God to see God allowing the evil to come into our life to see what we will do, to see how we will act to it, act uh, after when it happens to us. Like, will we turn to God or will we turn away from God? So that's a testing period in our life. And he does that even to, as you can see here, Paul, who's doing God's will and spreading the the gospel message, Paul is still being tested. So just because someone is in Christ doesn't mean that they won't be tested. So maybe, you know, God knows our hearts and better are just as well as we know our own motivation and God can see us. And if we start getting off track, God does something. It says he disciplines those he loves. So when these tests come and when these things come that we don't like, it's because God's seeing something inside of us that we need corrected. And so he steps in and he disciplines those he loves. So he loves you. And that's why he's trying to get your attention so that you correct whatever it is. So getting back to scripture, you know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. 
We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we have asserted our our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are our witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom. I underlined that in my Bible because encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. That's what Christians should do for one another. Be there for encouragement, comfort in times of trial, and also urging others to live lives worthy of God. Sometimes we need reminders in this world because the rest of the world is not supporting God's morals or God's standards. And so there is a need for Christians to encourage others in living lives for God, worthy of God. And God is the one who calls us into his kingdom and glory. That's what the eternal life is. That's God's kingdom that's coming. And that's in the Lord's Prayer, if you ever thought about it. Um, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's talking about God's future kingdom, his eternal life. And that was the prayer that, the only prayer that is in scripture that Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. And he said the Our Father prayer that many people know. So getting back to scripture. And we also thank God continually because When you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. So that's that's important. You hear the word of God and you accept it. Not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So when you read scripture and when you really believe it, it begins to work in you because that's the way God works with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit starts changing believers' lives. The true believers' lives begin to change when the Holy Spirit is working within us. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people, the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last." But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longings, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul did, again and again, but Satan blocked our way. So this is interesting. So Paul is, you know, working on behalf of God, but yet he believes that Satan has blocked his way. Um, If we go back to the book of Daniel, 
Daniel had the same thing. Daniel was praying to God. And then when it was, I believe it was Michael, the angel who came to him and said, I tried to come to you many times, but the prince of Persia blocked me. And so there's the spiritual realm that is referenced throughout many of the authors, the old, I mean, like all throughout scripture is there is a spiritual realm that we don't see that does affect what happens here on earth. And we don't, we wouldn't know about it if it wasn't for scripture. We wouldn't know that these things are interfering, interacting with our life because they are unseen, but there are spiritual influences. And it really makes sense when you look out at the world and you see the condition of the world today. There are there's a lot of instances. I mean, you can see when the Holy Spirit is influencing someone when they are still, they have a smile on their face, but yet they're enduring suffering and there's a peacefulness in them. It's it's when the fruit of the Spirit that's written about in Galatians is witnessed. It's in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. And when you see those uh, behaviors out of a person, you will know they're influenced by the Holy Spirit. On the contrary, there's the, as as Jesus even said, the spirit of the Antichrist, um, which is, you know, alive and well. I mean, it's, it's happening already. It's already here on the earth. Um, it's very evident. You can see that's another spirit at, at work in the world, and it opposes everything about God. It is like the opposite of everything that's in scripture. So you start looking around the world and seeing evidence of both spirits. When you know what's in scripture, you can discern between the spirits because there are spiritual influences at work today. Getting back to scripture. For what what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in faith. Again, I underline this, strengthen and encourage you in faith. That's what Christians should do for other Christians. Back to scripture. So that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. So I'm going to stop there too, because when I first became a believer, I thought that I I realized, so I was convicted that I was not living my life the way I wanted to, and I was not living my life the way God wanted me to. So I came to that realization, and I I said, I, I'm done. I'm finished making decisions in my life. God, I want you to take over, and I want you to guide me. And I thought that when I did that, I said, okay, I'm, I did. This is when I surrendered, and I thought... Now my life is going to be good because God's going to be guiding me and I'm not going to make any more stupid choices. I'm going to, everything's just going to be wonderful. And I was so wrong. And I didn't want to admit what was happening, not admit, but I didn't want to share what was happening to me because I knew I was doing the right thing by trusting God 
and surrendering to God. I knew that was right, but I was surprised by what happened. And I was afraid to tell anybody what was happening because all of a sudden I went through a lot of tests and trials right after that. And I kind of kept it to myself because it was it was one of those things where I, I was like, I know this is right, but why? Why is this happening? And um, it really hit me hard. And there was one day that I was just, I was crying to God and I was praying and I was saying, God, I'm doing everything I'm, you know, know that I'm supposed to do. And yet this and this and this and this and this is happening to me and why. And at this point I had not read scripture. I had surrendered before I ever read the Bible. And so I had the, I had bought the Bible as I was in this process, I thought, oh, I should better, I better get a Bible. I bought this study Bible that I have right now. And, and when I did, I was, I was reaching out to God and I was extremely upset. And, um, I picked up the Bible and I was like, you know, God, just show me something, you know, like, let me see something in this book that, you know, makes some sense out of this. And I opened up the Bible for the first time and it was, to somewhere within the book of Job. And I started reading. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to go back to the beginning of this book and I'm going to read this book. And this will be my first book that I read out of the Bible. And it was. And if you haven't read the book of Job, it's all about Job being a righteous person, but God allowing Satan to take everything away from Job as a test. And Job doesn't have any support from any of his friends. And they all think that Job did something wrong. And they keep telling him, you need to acknowledge that you did something wrong because this is going to keep on going on unless you acknowledge. And Job is saying, I didn't do anything wrong, but it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And horrible things happen. And I remember as I was reading this, I thought, okay, I'm relating to this because my life is going really bad right after I did this. And and so I was like, I want to know how it ends because this is horrible. I don't like this. I didn't know what the ending was going to be. So I flipped to the back of the book, the back of the book of Job, and I had to read what happened because I didn't want to read it anymore. And I saw that in the end, God restored everything for Job and he doubly blessed him. Like everything that was taken away from him, he blessed him double that. So then I went back and I finished the whole thing. And the outcome, the summary of the story was basically what I just said, but it was it was a testing period. So Job was righteous and it was a testing period. So therefore, I presumed that that was God communicating with me and telling me I was in a testing period. And I believe that. I believe I was in a testing period. And I did not turn away from God, which was really good to see in the Bible. Because when we go through testing periods, that can be when we turn away from God, especially if we hadn't read scripture and we're trying to do what we think is right. We're trying to live good and we're trusting in God. And then all of a sudden bad stuff happens. It doesn't make sense. But it does when you read the book of Job. So it explains it all. And that's literally what I experienced. And seriously, you know, that was back in 2017. And after that, 
you know, things did get worse for a few years, actually. And then all of a sudden, God started restoring everything. And it's, it's little by little, God started restoring things. And but I did not turn away from God. I just, I just, you know, I remembered the story of Job, and I stuck with it. And that's what scripture is good for, to encourage us to um, show us other examples in history of what happened to other people so that we can be encouraged to stay strong and stay connected to God. And in those times, I did stay close to God. But it took me still another couple years before I actually read the entire Bible. So I was still not, I was still not fully surrendered. That was my intention, but I hadn't give up given up everything yet. So it wasn't until 2019 when I read the Bible and then I was convicted even more and I decided I need to change. I'm not doing what I should be doing. And that's when things started to really change in my life. And and maybe that's why things weren't going well because I was still hanging on to stuff and so it was just going to keep on I was going to keep on having bad things happen to me until I corrected what God wanted me to correct. You know, God disciplines those he loves. So the the thing about the discipline, and he's not killing us, he's letting us have something severe so that we change, that we wake up, that we stop doing what he wants us to stop doing. And, and we have to figure out if a whole bunch of stuff, bad stuff is happening to us, we need to ask God, what is it? that I need to change in my life? What am I doing that is causing this? Don't blame it on anything else. Look at me. You know, what What am I doing? And God will reveal it to you, and he will reveal it to you, especially if you read scripture. That's where you get convicted. And then, you're, then you realize, okay, I know this is my issue. And um, that happened to me when I read scripture in 2019. One day, it made me just completely just cry like when I read it because it convicted me that much. And I realized I needed to do something about it. And so I did. Anyway, getting back to scripture. Um, in fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this, this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us and told from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to seek us just as we also long to seek you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all of our distress and persecution, we, are, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. 
Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. So this was another one that I underlined about strengthening your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father. That's uh, something that we need to strive for. If we are in Christ, that is our goal, and the Holy Spirit will help us do that. So, and and we are preparing for the time when Jesus comes with all His holy ones. And that I found kind of interesting that it says when the Lord Jesus comes with all His holy ones. So, um, just an interesting point to ponder uh, when we think about the timing of when Jesus returns and when people are gathered to him before God's wrath. So uh, that's just something to think about. So that verse is, uh, that's chapter three, verse 13. So chapter four, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. So that's kind of Paul's message. You know, he's talking to a lot of these Christians, these believers in these different communities about how everyone's supposed to live in order to please God. Well, God says, basically, obey my commands, the Ten Commandments, believe that, you know, live like that. As in fact you were living, now we ask you and urge you in Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Now remember, the Holy Spirit is what does this sanctification, that when we surrender and we allow, we ask God for the Holy Spirit, he will give that to us and it will begin to change our lives when we're sincere about it. So this is what Paul's referring to. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong wait, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So this is really important because people often, before they read this scripture, they often look at the church and they say, well, the church has all these rules and religion has all these rules. Well, religion does. God does have some rules. And in the Ten Commandments are his rules. They are his guardrails that he gave to keep people on the right path so that people can be in eternity with God. And only Jesus made that possible. So you can't get there by works, but you do have to live a life a certain way, but God will help you 
live a life that certain way because you're not naturally drawn to that. That's only by your surrender to God to allow the Holy Spirit to work within us so that we can become the way God wants us to be. And this is important. You know, if we are not living a holy life, we are not just rejecting a human being, but we are rejecting God. So if we are rejecting God, do you think we're going to be in God's kingdom? Do you think a person who rejects the authority is going to be included in God's kingdom? That's an important question to ask. This isn't about a man-made law. This isn't about a religious figure's law. This is about God, our creator's law. To me, these this law is important. This law affects my life. I'm either going to be in God's kingdom or I'm going to be outside of God's kingdom by my choice that I make about God's law. God put it there so that I can be in his kingdom. But if I choose my selfish desires over what God wants, what God says is right, and God is holy, what he says is right, if I choose what what I'm drawn to from the natural corrupted self that we are, if I just am self-centered and focus on me, I am going to forego God's kingdom. And when you think about the reality of God's kingdom, it's not worth losing out on. It is, there's so much more promise for his kingdom than there is for anything else. To live in a, in a sinful way here on earth is going to get you nowhere. And Jesus also, you know, he says, why store up something here on earth that is going to go away when you can have everything in heaven, not in heaven, um, in God's kingdom. And it just, where, where is your priority? Do you want to live for pleasure here? Or do you want to forego that and just live the way, it's not to say forego that because God wants people to be happy, joyful. God wants people to overflow with joy. So it's not that God doesn't want you to have it. There are certain parameters that you can have it within. Um, the biggest thing that I see in our world today is exactly what was back then, sexual immorality. In our world today, it's ever increasing that anything goes. But God has defined certain ways that things that things should be done. And as far as the sexual part of it, that's in a marriage. And anything outside of a marriage is not what God condones. And a marriage is between a man and a woman. And that's God's rule. We didn't make it up. It's God. God came up with all that. God set the rules. God's the creator. So we can choose to accept that or reject that. If we reject that, we are rejecting God's kingdom. If we accept that, we will be sanctified by allowing God to work within us so that we can be in God's kingdom. 
So that's, that's a call you have to make yourself. What is more important, to live for today or to live for eternity? Well, it's pretty obvious to me that today in our life here on earth is just a blip. As Jesus' brother said, he called it, our life is just but a mist or a vapor that's here for a short while then gone. That's what our earth life is like. But when you think of earth life compared to eternity, try and graph that. Graph a life here on earth that's maybe 120 years and then look at, think about eternity. You can't, it never ends. It goes on and on and on and on, on forever. So what about the comparison? Are you going to think about getting everything while you're in this little short blip and forego everything that you would have in God's kingdom? What's more important? Something we all have to think about and make a decision on. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. May we, yet, we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. That's kind of an interesting thing that, you know, just lead a quiet life, mind your own business, work with your hands, keep yourself busy, and then you win the respect of others. And just kind of a different way than um, our world is today because our world today is all about showing the world everything that you're doing that you're up to that is through social media and it's so different from living the quiet life where um, that's just an interesting point to think about okay back to scripture Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Okay, I want to stop there too. Again, he says who sleep in death. When someone dies, that's not forever. They're sleeping. That's the best we can describe it. The best that anyone, Jesus even described it as sleeping, that someone is asleep when they die. They're going to wake up when Jesus returns. They're going to wake up. Those who are in Christ are going to wake up when Jesus returns. Then after the thousand years, after Jesus rules on the earth for a thousand years, the rest will wake up. And at that point, that will be when judgment occurs. So we don't have to grieve. When someone dies here, We, if people don't realize that it's just a sleep. There is tremendous sadness. And no matter what, there's going to be sadness because it's somebody we love. And so we are going to grieve. That's not going to take away the grief. But when someone knows what's in scripture, we know it's just temporary. We are going to see that person again. As long as they are in Christ, we are going to see that person again. So it it takes patience that we just have to wait for that to happen. But 
I don't know. It's I don't know if it's just me, but it sure seems like our world is changing and that Jesus's return is is coming up soon. Um and it's it's not it's there's a lot of other believers that I'm seeing are saying the same thing too. And who knows, we could we could all be, you know, maybe too hopeful, maybe uh, lacking patience where we're wanting it to happen sooner than later, and maybe it's going to be a lot longer. But a lot of the signs that are given to us through prophecy, through the book of Revelation, through so many books of the Bible, pretty much all the prophets, um, a lot of the things that they talk about happening in the end times are happening now or are forming right now. And um, so because of that, it seems like we could potentially be very close to the return of Jesus, which if you are in Christ, that's a really good thing because that means that anybody that you cared about that passed away, you're going to see him really soon. If you're not in Christ, that's kind of a fearful thing because if Jesus's return is coming, there's going to be the wrath of God that follows after that, where everyone who's done wrong and who's rejected God will be severely punished. And and that's not gonna be something that I wanna be around for and I don't wanna I don't wanna fall before the time that Jesus returns because I do not want to experience the wrath of God. Nobody can withstand that. Actually there are gonna be some people that God spares and because it does say that when Jesus comes back and reigns on the earth when he's the ruler of the earth. There are going to be mortal and immortal people that are going to be on earth at the same time, but this is going to be a kingdom like no one's ever experienced. It's going to be a kingdom of peace and not just everybody getting along uh, well, but like it's like the animals in the world. It's going to be like the lion and the lamb aren't going to um, be in conflict with one another. They're going to lay down with one another. There's going to be peace like a, a toddler can play with a cobra and not have to be worried. That's the kind of peace that's going to be when Jesus returns. So this millennium kingdom that's coming after Jesus returns is going to be phenomenal for those who get to enjoy it. I don't know who that will be, but whoever is in Christ and is gathered by Christ will be reigning with him in this millennial kingdom. So that could be some of us, some of us that hear this. So um, it's important to be prepared before Jesus comes because at that point, it will, you know, our destiny will be pretty much determined. Um, and those who are spared, who don't die during God's wrath, they will be living during the millennium and they are actually going to have these extended life spans like they used to have in the beginning in Genesis. The shocking thing that I first discovered when I read Genesis was that people lived to be like 900, 800 years old. And that was that was the length of life for many people in the very beginning. But then at a certain point, God was like, I am not going to contend with humans forever. They are way more sinful, choose more sinful things than he ever, I don't know. Um, anyway, he put it to, he said, he, I will make it 120 years. And so now that's the lifespan. 
That's the way I interpreted it. That's our lifespan now is no more than 120 years, but it used to be a lot longer. But what it says about in the millennial kingdom is that people who live to be um, 100 will just be like a baby. Like they're very young in the millennial kingdom. So this is going to be um, a restoration of the earth, but still not perfect, but a restoration of the earth and probably a restoration of humans during that time too, the ones who live. And they will have more children. There's going to be you know, a population that continues in the uh, thousand years that Christ reigns. So there's something exciting to be looking forward to. Can you imagine having Jesus return to earth and be the ruler of everything for a thousand years. So if, if those, um, those who are prepared, I believe are going to be part of that. And that will be pretty awesome to be interacting with Jesus on this time where people are going to be coming to, you know, um, it's going to be a new world that's developing, um, when that happens. So pretty cool thing to look forward to. I want to finish chapter four, and then I'm going to stop this and read the rest in the next podcast. So brothers brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So again, the people who have fallen asleep in him, who have died already, who are in Christ will be coming with him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever." Therefore, encourage one another with these words. That is like the most important thing that we have to look forward to. If we are in Christ, when Christ comes back, we are going to be drawn up to him. Now, remember when Jesus ascended into the sky after he uh, resurrected and he was with some of his disciples and these angels appeared and they said, The same way that he goes is the same way he will return. So he went up and he ascended into the sky. I can't even imagine what that would have been like. But the angel said he's going to come back the exact same way. So this is exactly what we, when we talk about Jesus's return, this is what everyone who is in Christ is looking forward to because it will be pretty awesome. So... I will start with chapter five next podcast.